Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Oceanside Sanctuary. This is our online church service for Sunday morning. We are excited to gather with you wherever you might be in your home here in San Diego County or even maybe outside the state of California. This has become such an important place for us to gather together and connect with each other while we're in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. And in the spirit of that, I just want to ask you this morning, what is giving you hope and perspective today in the midst of everything that's going on? I had a conversation this week with a friend who works for a large company here in San Diego, and they had to lay off 400 employees this week. It's been a really tough week for them and a tough week for that whole organization and their families. And I know that some of you out there, wherever you might be, are really beginning to struggle as well. Maybe you've suffered a layoff. Maybe your hours have been scaled back at work. Maybe you're struggling with your health. Maybe you're struggling because you've been so disconnected from the people that you love. And so today I just want to ask very briefly, how do we as Christians find a sense of perspective and hope in times like this? And I think the answer today might surprise you a little bit. And so I want to ask that you stay with us. We're going to do a little bit of prayer and worship first. And then in a few minutes, we're going to come right back here and we're going to open up 1 Peter chapter 1 again. And we're going to wrestle with that text and ask, what is it that the Spirit of God is trying to teach us about how to endure with hope in times like this? So I hope you stay with us and join us for worship today. Well, good morning again. Thanks for joining us again here at the Oceanside Sanctuary. We're excited to connect with you here online. Today, what I would like to do is go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. We visited that passage a little bit last week, and I hope that you're all staying safe and healthy at home. I have, for the most part, uh, Monday through Thursday, which is my work week here at the church. For the most part, I have still been here at the church because I'm social distancing while I'm here. And so I'm working here in essentially a big empty building. And since I've been here and had the opportunity to walk around this place uh, pretty much by myself every single day, one of the things that I did this week was dig into the archives of our church and do a little bit of reading about the history of this church. Now, some of you know this already, uh, but our church was started in the San Luis Rey Valley, not here in downtown Oceanside. It was started right out by the mission and met for the first couple of decades of its existence in just a one-room schoolhouse. And it was primarily started by just two families, two families that had moved here into the Oceanside area and didn't have a place to worship that they could call their own. And so they were connected to this movement of Christians who believe that people shouldn't be excluded on the basis of having different beliefs. And so those two families were a part of that tradition. They came together, and every week they were too small, too poor to have their own pastor. And so these two families would just faithfully get together every Sunday, and they would share communion together, they would pray together, they would read scripture together, and that was their worship. In fact, that was really their worship for the first 33 years of the existence of this church. Just mostly two families with, you know, a bunch of kids and a bunch of grandkids that spent the first 33 years of this place just getting together faithfully as often as they could to encourage each other. Now, 33 years later, they actually moved here to downtown Oceanside and built their first building and began to really grow as a church. 
But 10 years after that move, 43 years after this church was started, a global pandemic hit the world in the form of the Spanish flu of 1918. Now, think about that. Back in 1918, 102 years ago, this church was already 43 years old. So by the time the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic was making its way all over the world, babies who were born when this church started were already approaching middle age. They're in their early to mid-40s. Now, this week, as I was reading through the history of this place and you know, began to just think about that and think about that sort of math and the, and the passage of time, it, it really took me to a different place of perspective as I was thinking through what we're going through. I realized that time is, of course, much bigger than we tend to think about when we're in the midst of difficulties like this, and we're really busy focused on our problems every day. We're, we're focused on our inconveniences. We're focused on our suffering. We're focused on our grief. We're focused on the hardships that we face every day. And of course, for some people, those hardships are really deep and genuine and heartbreaking and sometimes very traumatic. So I don't mean to make light or, or belittle those sufferings or traumas at all, but all of those things tend to take on a little bit different character when we zoom out and we look at things from a bigger perspective. Now, Peter is doing the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 1. So I'd love for you to grab your Bible and turn back to 1 Peter chapter 1 with me Last week we read a little bit from 1 Peter, and this week I want to read a little bit more from that letter from Peter to the early Christians who were scattered in the ancient Near East. So look at 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to pick it up actually in verse 22. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Peter says this, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For Now, here's where Peter in his letter actually quotes an Old Testament passage. Verse 24, he says, For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Now, I love that Peter reads this old passage. This is actually a quote from Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 is one of my favorite Old Testament passages because Isaiah as a prophet, like a lot of the Old Testament scriptures, uh, his oracles are written in a kind of poetic form. And Isaiah chapter 40 is actually a hinge point in Isaiah's prophecies overall. Now, when I say that Isaiah in this Old Testament passage from Isaiah chapter 40 is a poem, I hope that you don't hear me sort of uh, downplaying the importance of that passage or belittling Scripture in any way. There is no higher compliment that I could pay to Scripture than to call it poetry. Because poetry is what comes from deep inside of us, when we as humans are wrestling with the trials and difficulties and challenges of life. I love how Walt Whitman in Leaves of Grass put it. He said, we don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are human beings. 
And of course, what Whitman was trying to say is essentially that everything that we drudge out of ourselves, all those sort of deepest fears and anxieties and angst, all of that, when we produce that in language form, that is essentially what poetry is. It is a reflection of our deepest longings, our deepest desires, our deepest sufferings, and our most strongly felt needs. And so Isaiah is, of course, doing that same exact thing in Isaiah chapter 40. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 40. I just want to point out a little bit of what's happening here in this extended poem that we have in this particular chapter. Now, Peter quotes from Isaiah 40, and he takes his quote from about the middle of the the prophetic passage here. So if you look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, then you're going to see Peter's quote here. And here's what it says in verse 8. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? Now, now this is, of course, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is saying that God has come to him and told him, you need to go out and cry out. You need to deliver a message. And Isaiah, the prophet, is saying to God, what message should I deliver? Verse 7. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass and the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Now, what's amazing about this passage is that sounds a little bit morbid. It it sounds a little bit troubling. You know, Isaiah in his prophecy is basically saying that human beings are fleeting that we don't last very long, that just like grass and just like the flowers of the field, we live for a certain period of time and then we wither and we die. What's curious about this is this whole chapter, Isaiah chapter 40, is meant to be an oracle of comfort to people who are living in exile. If you look right at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Comfort my people. And yet in the midst of this comforting passage, this comforting poem, the message that Isaiah brings is essentially a message of death. He says, hey, listen, I know that you have been in exile all this time. I know that you were conquered by a foreign people and dragged away. I know that you are suffering under what he calls the punishment of God because they failed to treat people justly and rightly and fairly. That's what the message of Isaiah from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 39 is about. It's an attempt by the people of God, by the ancient Hebrews, by the Jews at this time to come to grips with their suffering, to understand why it is that they're suffering and have been dragged off in exile and dispersed all over the land. And their way of coming to grips with that is to realize that they did not act the way that they were supposed to. Now, Isaiah in chapter 40 comes along and he provides them with a sense of hope. And his hope, beginning in Isaiah chapter 40, is essentially this. Yes, you're exiled. Yes, you're dispersed. Yes, you have been pushed out into the community and deprived of your land, deprived of your home, deprived of your temple. But there is something that you need to keep in mind. You and I, we are fleeting. But unlike us, God endures forever. More specifically, 
The truth of God, the goodness of God, the righteousness of God endures long after we will be here on this earth. And so Isaiah's message to the people of Israel is essentially a message of gaining perspective on the bigger picture. If you look back at 1 Peter chapter 1, I want you to see how Peter sort of finishes up this chapter. Look again at verse 22, and you'll see what Peter is doing here. He says to them, now remember, these are Christians who are also exiled. They're scattered throughout Asia Minor. They don't have a land of their own. They don't have a home to gather in as a people, so to speak. They don't have a temple that belongs to them. So they're people who are trying to follow God. They're people who are trying to follow the teachings of Christ, but they don't have a place to call their own. And so Peter recognizes that they are exiles, and he draws upon this post-exilic passage from Isaiah chapter 40 to provide them with a bit of hope and a bit of comfort. And here's what he says, again, verse 22. He says, now that you've been purified by obeying the truth, have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart, for you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. And then he goes on to quote Isaiah's poem about grass and the flowers of the field withering and dying, but the truth of God, the word of God enduring forever. This reminds me a bit of Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24. You've probably heard this passage before. Ecclesiastes, of course, is another one of those great Old Testament books that sort of takes an alternative perspective on the world and on faith and on life. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24, the preacher, that's what the word Ecclesiastes means. It means the preacher. The preacher is basically saying to his hearers, listen, I have tried everything in this life. I've gone out and I've tried to attain wisdom and I've tried to attain money and I've tried to attain women and fame and power and I've gathered all of those things. And at the end of the day, I can tell you this, the only thing that really matters the most is that you live your life every day, enjoying your food, enjoying your wine, and enjoying your family, and enjoying your work. See, the preacher in Ecclesiastes understands what Isaiah in chapter 40 understands too. He understands that because we live a life that is fleeting, because we live a life that is ultimately very short, that we must come to grips with the reality of our death. The fact of the matter is, is that however bad things might get, however difficult life might be, however much we might actually suffer and struggle and face trials and difficulties and tribulations, the fact is, is that eventually we are all going to die. And because we know that our lives are fleeting, because we know that they are brief and short, as brief and short as the flowers of the field, then the only reasonable response is for us to embrace life with everything we have right now. It might sound like a, a fatalistic perspective, but for the, the writer of Ecclesiastes and for Isaiah and for Peter even, what they recognize is that the difficulties of this life, as bad as they might be, they're nothing compared to the great goodness and blessing and gospel that God has to give us. And that goodness, that blessing, that gospel 
is love from God and for each other. That's why Peter, in chapter 1, verse 22, basically boils it down to this when he says, again, love one another deeply from the heart. See, Peter recognizes that we will face many trials and many troubles and many difficulties in this life. We'll face diseases, we'll face violence, we'll face war, we'll face political upheaval. But in the face of all of that, if we put our hope and our trust in the God who endures beyond all those things, then we can draw strength from the spirit of that God who is love and enables us to love and embrace each other and love each other and enjoy each other's presence while we're here together. That is perspective. That is wisdom. I'm wondering what's giving you perspective, what's giving you wisdom at this time in your life? What is it that's bringing you hope? What is it that's giving you a sense of perspective? What is it that is helping you to connect to the Spirit of God so that you can endure through this time and not just survive, but really tap into a sense of the goodness of God so that you can love freely and love rightly the people that are in your life and the people that God has called you to. Whatever it is that's giving you hope or perspective, I just want to ask that you would consider sharing it in the Facebook comments below so that we can all gain from each other the strength of the faith that we need to persevere through this time. I want to ask that you would just join with me in a word of prayer now as we wrap this up. And I want to ask that you would uh, really take a moment to slow yourself down, take a deep breath, and gain a sense that the Spirit of God is with you wherever you are. Just turn your heart to Him as we all lift our prayers and our faith and our thoughts up to God now. I want to ask now that you would just join with me in a word of prayer as we close our time together today. Wherever you are, just stop, take a breath, quiet yourself, turn your heart towards the Spirit of God who is present wherever you are, and receive that sense of hope and perspective from Him as we pray today. Would you just join with me? God, we just thank you for today and this opportunity for us to gather even remotely across Facebook and YouTube as we connect with you and connect with each other and find a real sense of hope and perseverance in the midst of whatever trials and struggles we're facing. We ask, God, that you would give us a sense that you are bigger than these struggles. Uh, however we might suffer, however our friends and family might be struggling, we believe that you are good and faithful and that you will bring us through this with a sense of connection to the love that you have to offer us and that you have called us to offer to each other. We pray all this in Jesus' name.